Hello, and welcome to the director's commentary for Love, Simon. I'm Greg Berlanti, the director, and I'm here with my two favorite Isaacs. <laughs> uh, they can introduce themselves. Um, I'm Isaac Klausner. I'm one of the producers, but I, I actually think I'm definitely Greg's second favorite Isaac. Oh, you're too <laughs> kind. Uh, I'm Isaac Aptaker. I wrote the screenplay with my writing partner, Elizabeth Berger. And there's more than just one of us here because this... Uh, film as much as anything I've ever worked on was really a joint project of a lot of people and at every phase and at every uh, level and we'll we'll do our best to mention as many of them as possible today uh, and also give you guys as much of an informed peek behind the uh, the, the, the curtain as it were uh, here we are in the opening uh, and uh, where do we start? We can start with, I think, uh, Mr. Nick Robinson, uh, who uh, was you know, on a very short list of people that we thought would do a wonderful job as Simon and, and came in and uh, sat with us for a bit and discussed the, uh, the role and the part and then came in and did a one-time read. And, and as is often the case, I find on, on shows and movies, uh, you know, when it's the right person, everybody just agrees. And everyone loved his performance and thought that, uh, you know, he, he brought so much uh, um, just heart and humanity to the role. And that obviously the casting of Simon is, is pretty much probably the most important decision you could make as a director in a project like this, because he's, his heart is the one that you sort of really follow and throughout. One thing just about this sequence that I wanted to bring up, I mean, one challenge that I think is often the case in adapting a book where you get so inside the head of your main character is how to bring an audience in a film inside the head in the same way. And I, you know, I loved when we kind of cracked the idea of, which I, I you know, it's somewhere between the two of you, um, <laughs> um, of, of kind of giving... Simon, this voiceover in the beginning without actually making it a voiceover film, that kind of tying it back into a later email, but like letting him start to introduce you to his world um, in his own voice, uh, which is was really fun. Look at how great Simon's room is, too. Let's just give a shout out to the art department because this is like the dream room that I think every teenager wishes they had. And there's so many Easter eggs and details in there. If you guys pause and go back and look, that just speak to different parts of his character. And I know Becky, the author of the novel, had a lot to do with making sure it was very authentic to Atlanta. So there's a lot. There's just so much detail in this room if you really stop and look at it. Uh, that's a great point, Bias. So, so Aaron Osborne uh, was our production designer and uh, must have researched uh, a thousand different high school rooms. We knew that we were going to spend at least 15 minutes to 20 minutes of this movie in that room. So we wanted it to be as interesting uh, as possible and, uh, you know, and, and really be able to play for all the different uh, emotional moments that, that Simon goes through in there. And so now we're down here with the family, so we can talk a little bit about the amazing Jen Garner and Josh Demel. Uh, you know, I'd worked with Josh before on a, on a movie a few years back, and and uh, so he was fairly easy to sort of sign up. Uh, Jen Garner uh, uh, loved the script and the story, and uh, wanted to come on board, but she wanted a moment which we'll, we can refer to later on, uh, a, a really sort of a final moment between her and Simon, and it ended up being one of our strongest scenes in the film. And it was a great example of, of all of us were sort of searching for it. And she had a notion, and the writers, Isaac and Elizabeth, had a notion, the producers had a notion, and the studio had a notion. And, and together, everybody really kind of um, uh, 
Uh, and then once she read that scene, which you'll see later, um, she was she was on board. And now, yeah, so now obviously we're going through the introduction of uh, and one of our intro songs. It's a good time <laughs> to talk about uh, our music people. Uh, you know, so, uh, Susan Ken, our music supervisor and uh, films editor, Harry Georgine. And uh, Georgian, and uh, and and uh, also Jack Antonoff, who came on board and did a number of the songs for the movie. So uh, we always knew we wanted the movie to have a, a, a kind of one of those timeless soundtracks that sort of really represented. Uh, but it was a process of discovery. We 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 watched uh, early scenes cut together, and we started to see some sort of quasi nostalgic songs cut against the picture that had that synth vibe as you're hearing in this song and and we just started loading up the picture with more of those and and as it turns out one of them was by jack antonoff of the bleachers and uh as is this song right here uh and and he wanted to watch the movie so he came in and he watched the film and said i'd love to do more songs for the film and that's sort of how uh it all came about um and uh and how we ended up with such an incredible soundtrack that I think is obviously so representative of, of the spirit and the soul of, of, of Simon. I think something you um, and Season Harry had talked about from the beginning, which I think was part of what led us to Jack, was a sound that both felt like reminiscent of some of the kind of iconic John Hughes movies and their sound, but also updated for today. And there's been so much fun exploration of some of the some of the instruments, some of the sounds of that time, kind of coming back into music that Jack, in particular, is like so unbelievable with. Yeah, and and we'll talk about Rob Simonson, who did our score a little bit later, when there's some sweeping score piece that's kind of coming through. Uh, so we did rehearsals for about two weeks prior to shooting the movie. And all of these kids just became as close as you see. And this right here is a moment that's happening right now. Was n not scripted. Uh, a lot of little moments like that, sort of where you just keep the camera running and you tell them you're cutting uh, and you don't actually cut. Uh, and they had gotten <laughs> so close. Um, uh, and, and it just really, I think, uh, um, it shows on the, on the movie. There's certain things you can't direct. Um, and... Yeah, that first day of rehearsals was one of the coolest times. We, Elizabeth and I had gone down to Atlanta for the first few weeks, and it was just, you know, our, our core kids in a, in a hotel convention center room, like using folding chairs, pretending it was a car, and doing that, that scene that we just saw. Uh, and they just had such palpable chemistry. And once you saw that they had known each other for a couple of days and already seemed like friends, it was like, oh, wow, this movie might, uh, might be kind of special. Which I think is also just a testament to our cast and director, Denise Chamian, who, like, you know, in the whole process of auditions really helped us organize gatherings where we would able able to create some of these, just a really comfortable space for these actors to sit and be with each other and start to live in the in these characters and their relationships that allowed us to really find not just the, you know, such great actors, but great, great pairings. And Tony Hale was the first uh, actor to sign on to the movie. He did it without anybody else attached, in large part because of the subject matter of the film and uh, how much the script by Isaac and Elizabeth really spoke to him and, uh, and wanted, to, wanted to be a part. And he, I always notice when we watch the movie with an audience that, that that's the moment when he comes on screen that people know it's okay to really laugh. They, they, they laugh prior in little bits, but that 
He, something about Tony and his particular brand of comedy allows the audience to go, oh, even though it's dealing with gay subject matter, like it's it's cool to laugh. And so, you know, just having him be a part of the film and, and support the film really meant a lot. But it also means a lot just when audiences, I think, are, are watching the movie. Yeah. Getting to do the Tony Hale pass on the script is one of the most fun uh, fun things we got to do on this movie. He has such a, a specific, you know, like weirdly hilarious rhythm and sort of way about him um, that getting to rewrite that character into his voice was just such a blast. And then on set, I mean, he has such strong improv chops, you know, working with Julia Louis-Dreyfus all those years and on Arrested Development. He would throw stuff out. He would, you know, ask for different jokes and it was just, it made it all so electric. No, no, we cannot watch the affair as a family. Why not? Because it's all One thing, speaking to the the last scene, uh, you know, we, you know, we get introduced both in the whole introduction to the school, seeing different characters, meeting Ethan, meeting some of the bullies, meeting Martin, uh, meeting Siraj. I mean, it's something that's also, it's very much a testament to Becky Albertalli's book that she'd built an entire universe of characters that then Isaac and Elizabeth and Greg really expounded upon to create these three-dimensional people, an entire universe of kids, all of whom were going through their own stories. And such a great family unit, too. I mean, who wouldn't want to do takeout Indian dinner and watch, just stream some content with your with your parents and sister? <laughs> Although I think this is the one meal that they eat in the whole movie that Nora hasn't prepared from scratch. Yeah, we didn't really get into how that made Nora feel. I know, right? <laughs> well, she can't do Indian yet. You, it requires a lot of spices. It's a, a big, a lot of prep time. You know, she's just twelve. <laughs> this, oh, this always plays really well. This was this notion for the the slideshow storyline uh, was Greg's idea, and it gets such a big laugh when you see these transitions that whoever designed this slideshow came up with, especially the one where the where it shatters. Yeah. Uh, the screen. It's just such a lame dad move. I love wait, it. Wait, wait. That one, that one. <laughs> yeah. okay. Look, um, you know, there's sort of, in, in my mind, there's kind of always sort of two, um, two moments that push us through Act One uh, that we're kind of driving toward. One is 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 coming up. Uh, and it, it's Simon discovering that there's another gay kid at school that's also closeted, and the other will be at the end of the act, which we can sort of discuss kind of when we get there. Um, and and why I think those are important to when you're doing a, f a film like this that's really there's not massive plot moving forward. It's it's just being cognizant as much as you can of like what's driving the story forward through these scenes that are just seem like it's sort of like we're creating human life, but we're we're also and we're introducing all these characters, but we're also uh, um, you know setting big things up that have to sort of move us through. And and so this is a huge sequence actually right here. It's, you know, four or five minutes that we spend with pretty much just one actor uh, in in his room. And yet it's really driving the, the plot forward. And, and as Isaac number one pointed out <laughs> earlier, <laughs> it's 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 uh, setting up this. The letter coming back here is a great sort of uh, payoff. And, and I think uh, Isaac and Elizabeth just really found so many ways to make things that would have seemed so uh, just like we've seen them a million times before feel fresh and original and contemporary and, and have a new spin and a new take. Choosing this song, the uh, the kink song that was playing here, was a real challenge because it, 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 you know, it had to be the song because it becomes his email address, so it's not the kind of thing you can change later, so we had to really land on it in script 
And uh, I mean, Elizabeth and I aren't that cool. We aren't huge music people. So we had our assistant actually draw up, who's much cooler than us, draw <laughs> up a list of kind of like awesome, like classic rock songs that weren't, you know, the ones that you've super heard a million times. But I believe that Waterloo Sunset, the winning suggestion came from Elizabeth's husband, Jeremy. Um, but it was, I mean, we had like 10 different versions before we even sent the script to you guys um, before we figured out <laughs> it what is, this song is. It is. one of the only songs that's referenced yeah, in the script right. that we never changed. And, and it works really well. It never just was always there. And, and um, all this time I thought you and Elizabeth had really good taste in music. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We just don't, we don't have cool taste in music. Uh, <laughs> and so now I'm going to talk about our DP, John Gulisarian, who was uh, just a guru to me throughout the whole process and, and uh, is, is, is both an artist and also um, just has a, a, a wonderful warmth as a person and as a director of photography. And, and we did a lot of R&D knowing that we were going to be on computer screens about how to shoot them, what way to shoot them, what rate to shoot them at, um, you know, and, and, and also when they'd be digital, when they would be shot. Uh, and at the end of the day, the majority of everything that you see on a computer screen that's sort of inside the walls of our screen like that Ends up being ended up being computer generated after we actually shot most of it uh, on screen because it just you can't you can only really do the kind of movement that you see digitally and but the, the helpful part of having done so much of it uh, shot so much of it on footage was we were able to use those textures and things uh, and feed them back into uh, post effects and create a look that felt like a real, much more like a real computer as opposed to so clean and, and digital. And again, all of the, the, all the nuance that you see in here that John creates in this room and the, the different temperatures of the room uh, am, amongst his many superpowers is just really being able to tell you what the light of a space would be down to the minute. So if you're like in New York at 445, <laughs> he knows like if it's a cloudy day how much light there'll be and and why that's so helpful is we go through multiple seasons on this movie you know and and we really with simon on such a full journey um and here we go into our next math is what we're talking about can anyone answer for me how we find now we get some of rob's amazing score and now we exactly so real two is when uh the simonson <laughs> score starts so rob simonson our composer um you, whose work you you know and love from many other things like um, the way way back and beautiful scores uh, that he's he's written for a multitude of films uh, really sort of came in and latched on and knew right away that uh, the sort of spirit of the of, of uh, you know what other what they've just sort of mentioned earlier about about wanting to make a bit of an homage to the 80s coming-of-age movies by John Hughes and things like that, but also, but not be trapped there and still feel like it's something contemporary. And I, th I think what Rob worked long and hard on was, was doing something that was both. I'm not going to shave my legs. It makes her kicks more aerodynamic. And now we meet Simon's group of friends. It's a good time to start talking about some of the others that are in his life. Here we see uh, the introduction of, of Bram. And, uh, <laughs> this woman's perfect. <laughs> Why is there no cell reception at this school? I Played swear to God. By Keen Lonsdale, who uh, I've worked with on a show called Flash. He plays Kid Flash, and he is, uh, it's really Simon's, hopefully you've watched this movie without the director's commentary first, and I'm not spoiling <laughs> yeah, this it. This is no first way to watch this movie. <laughs> Please, if Stop you're watching right this now. for the first time, yeah, go back, turn this off. <laughs> 
so Bram is, uh, you know, and, and so the movie's obviously divided up into those three, and it always was divided up into these wonderful three sort of who, the kind of who is it. Uh, Isaac, you have a way of saying it. Who, what? Uh, I you do. call it a whodunit? Uh, yeah, it's a romantic whodunit. A romantic whodunit. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Uh, and so the first two is Bram. And so that's sort of this... And we, we're really cognizant of dividing up the film into sort of those three kind of sections. Uh, you know, because, again, because Simon's life is sort of just happening. It's not just... Uh, you know, we, we, we're, you're trying to build that hints of romance throughout. One thing that you know, was a key to starting to unlock how to pull off this movie from the very beginning was an idea that Isaac and Elizabeth had upon reading the book of how to, how to, you know, for, for a movie that, as you described, plays out so much on computer screens, you know, how do you emotionally connect to a love story where you don't know who he's falling in love with? And, you know, you guys had this brilliant idea of, as Simon starting to develop clear suspicions and then letting us see the person, his suspect, interacting with him so that you really feel like that's who he's interacting with only to then lose that, feel the pain of that loss only to latch onto someone new. And it was, I mean, that moment was just like kind of unlocked, I think, the movie on so many levels. And then watching how that's come together was was really exciting. And, and here, I remember, I think we were playing with who to start with. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it was one of our producers, Wick Godfrey, who who got a, who had brought up the idea of what if we started with Bram, who, again, spoiler alert, we we were going to end with, and and actually kind of introduce him off the bat as kind of our first romantic ideal, only to completely dispel and reject that, so that you both are attached to him for that later reveal, but also, kind of forget that it could be him. It was such a good note. That was one of those notes where you're you're so angry at yourself for not having just come up with that right off the bat, but that's why it takes a village to make a movie. So the second time people start really, really uncontrollably laughing is with the introduction of Natasha Rothwell <laughs> as the so drama great. teacher. Um, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about how we arrived at Cabaret. In the book, it's Oliver, and uh, we we couldn't get the rights to Oliver. And so we talked for a while about what we could maybe, you know, do, what production, high school production, the, the kids could be doing. And, uh, uh, and, and for a minute, uh, Isaac and Elizabeth actually... Uh, did the horrible task for me that I put them through <laughs> of composing an original musical based on Say Anything. Um, it was cool. Uh, which it was going to be our ode to those films. And then it just, it felt a little too meta, but it was very well executed. So look for it off Broadway yeah, in one 2021. Uh, because it, I think a lot of it is written. Um, anyway, so we, we uh, I had done a college production of Cabaret and and I always remembered it, you know, obviously just having to deal so much with, I was actually in it at the time I was still in the closet. So it was very resonant for me. Uh, and then it was also easier to get. Uh, we just couldn't show our Sally Bowles in a top hat. Um, um, and so we didn't show her in a top hat because we had the movie rights to contend with and the stage rights. Um, so now uh, we're really into Simon here, his first... Uh, series of love uh, letters back and forth really and our unknown this is our unknown uh, blue um, uh, again this sort of always leapt off the page for me just uh, was 
people are always like, how did you think of this wonderful way to sort of describe a hide blue? I, well, I read it and we just shot what was there, what we read. No, but you did such a good job with yeah. it. This was the part of the script where we wrote it and we, we were confident, but we were like, this is where the movie could really go off the rails if it's not in great <laughs> hands. Because this is really complicated. There's like an imaginary narrator. He's, he's talking to him and he's going about his life and then it's flashing back to his mom at a different time. Like, so this was, it, it looks easy, but this was very, this is a high level of difficulty yeah. that Greg and everyone just did very very well. I think the goal with everybody through here again is just the uh, you know falling in love and, and through letters and discovering yourself through letters, which is so much the magic of the book too. Um, you know, it can be very boring. You know, there's ways for it to be boring. It's just how to keep it. We were all really cognizant through here about young love and just young love feels like it's hitting you like really fast and there's so much information really quickly and how can we just sort of either always in this section keep simon moving or the camera moving or you know uh, um and and you'll notice uh uh you know there's also a series of mo different kinds of montages in the movie and also a, a goal to make them really distinct okay so one of the things that's really big in the book is his love for harry potter and they had this wonderful joke always in here but because there's so many modern references you have to go and get all those things approved and and jk rowling herself <laughs> approved that harry potter poster being in this <laughs> movie it's so cool um good on her yeah and I realized as did the, the panic of the disco guy wow thank you be right back oh. wasn't my proudest moment again this is, uh, yeah, I just could watch this, yeah. enjoy this Thank section. You. He's so endearing, Simon's so endearing, and, uh, you know, you're just, again, I think what Nick is, was so, we would meet in the mornings before shooting every day, because many times he'd have to be in four or five different emotional moments in the film throughout the day while we were shooting, and, and we would kind of game the day out and talk to him about where he had to be and what moment he had to kind of be in. And, you know, there's there's probably no more essential element between a, a actor and a director than the, that trust. And he would sort of just kind of trust me to say, you know, OK, this is you're happy right now <laughs> or you're very sad right now or or, or you're thinking about blue. And well, I've never told anyone about my Daniel It was interesting also exploring through post, you know, even in having captured the our, our kind of generic blue. Like, how do you land, what is the right voice for someone who yeah. is a mystery inherently and is both appealing and and you're starting to connect with, but also you are lacking that specificity. And, and trying to zero in on that was a real, we tried lots and lots of different voices <laughs> before we got there. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the tricky thing about having multiple love interests throughout the movie, including a fourth, if you want to even add the anonymous one, is here's another one, which we can talk about a little later, but it's the character of of Cal, which is also who we're kind of setting up that way, uh, is, is, you know, making sure that the audience feels like it's the person, exact person that they want at the end of the day when, when, when we're on the Ferris wheel together. And uh, what was good about Anonymous Blue's, you know, voice is that he's not, uh, it's, it, everyone, no one ever sort of questioned it. It never kind of came back in the cards, like, who is that fourth person? You know, everybody was always very uh, invested in this. I'm a little... One of the, I'd say one of the tragedies of having to make a, a runtime is there's, <laughs> there's, for actors like 
Tony Hale, Natasha Rothwell are so many gems. And by the way, Nick Robinson had a ton of them too, of just right. like different alts, different versions that are all equally hilarious. And you can just kind of watch them. And, and by the way, um, you know, our, <laughs> talk about alts. Yeah, talk about alts. Every, everything out of uh, everything out of his mouth was was a gem. And like. You know how you know try get the joy of going between, but also the pain of having to choose just one, and knowing that we get to hear all of these, and audiences are deprived of of some of the some of their other jokes. Here's your green banana because you like disgusting things. So uh, Harry, Georgie, and the editor, uh, this whole sequence sort of coming up here. This is a great example of your editor doing something that you never saw, and then you going like, oh wow, and then getting to take credit for it. So he combined. He really sort of took this series of beats. From here into the next sequence, uh, you know, when when Simon's checking out Bram in the classroom and lost in thought, and sort of made uh, made them one and and connected them, and then Rob Simonson's followed his lead and and put the kind of connective tissue together. We're gonna have to have a shout out to Little Man coming up. Yeah, oh, yeah, that okay. is crucial. <laughs> so. <laughs> One of our produ our producer, Wick Godfrey's son, is uh, was on set for a number of days, and, and we really wanted the authenticity of having as many like really high school looking people in the high school. Bram's house, be there. Camel Godfrey. Yeah, I know. He's like And so you sort of see how it kind of that scene, that last scene, kind of pushes into this scene, and. Um, very relieved that we're in agreement on order. I also love the editing that kind of transitions you into into now a Bram taking over. Non-cookie related note. Is it weird that I have no idea? You guys idea remember how hard it was to obtain Halloween Oreos when this movie was shooting in the early spring? <laughs> Very hard. <laughs> they do not They make really them pull them around. off the shelves. <laughs> yeah. Eyes on your own test. This was Keenan's first day, I think. And they, they, you know. Don't stop on my account, Robin Brienne. That's the most action I've seen. I also love, so you know, we had all of the extras in the community who kind of came back yeah. and back again. Yeah, know, we had to watch a group of kids kiss. Yeah. Because, <laughs> mm. you know, you didn't want to be too grossed out by the continual <laughs> kissing. And then, uh, you know, and, and it just felt awkward to ask people to kiss, you know, and to ask them if they're going to, and they were a real couple in real life. And you're like, are you going to stay a couple for the whole shoot? Yeah. Please don't break <laughs> don't up. Don't break up on day five. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is actually this scene coming up here is how the book starts mm -hmm. and I, I always thought it was great just in terms of there's a real art form you should do yourself a favor if you're interested in writing is go back and read the book and then see how Isaac and Elizabeth adapted it and see how both things function very well for what they are but Isaac and Elizabeth made it a movie you know and they really turned it construction the construction of it to a film and this is really the end of act one um right here because it's it's obviously it's and and why it's so great at the start of the book is it just sort of engages you in that way right away um and it it to me it's where the film tonally obviously also takes a real shift for the first time and we musically we we, we really um had to find this moment it was you know you didn't want to play it too severe where the film took too dark a turn, but you also wanted to honor the fact that he's, you know, this young man's getting blackmailed. That's a good section. I also think Martin's performance and your modulation of it in terms of some of the levels of lightness, naivety, um, comedy, you know, kind of complementing 
the our librarian, yes. you know, so as, as this interruption from our friend Tyler that's about to happen, like kind of also really helps kind of keep it in, you know, keeping yeah. the blackmail from going quite too too dark. Logan Miller just uh, really won this from the beginning. I had seen him in a number of other things, including Scouts vs. Zombies, which he's terrific in, which a friend of mine directed. And uh, he just, you know, what's so great about both the character and Logan's performance is he is in his own, he's the lead in his own romantic oh, comedy, yeah. <laughs> and it's going to work out, you know? He doesn't... He's doing he, what it takes. He never really sees what he's doing as, as that bad. And, and <clears throat> we often would say, you know, he's one of the most honest people in the whole movie, you know? Uh, and their repartee together was great. One of Nick's many talents is his ability to sort of play tennis with whoever he's in the scene with and and play his game slightly differently. And when he was in the scenes with Martin on set on those days, he would behave differently. And, and um, here we're sort of seeing, we see Simon um, find his way outside of his house and continue his correspondence with his first paramour potential number one. And something we, we talked about a lot was in, you know, for in, in today's world where there are a lot of people who are comfortable coming out, you know, how do we get, how do we really understand what's keeping Simon from coming out? And I think there were a lot of really interesting and rich conversations about that, you know, and, and I think, you know, you guys collectively, the whole team had a lot of ideas of how to hit that on the head and tackle it head on between showing Ethan as a character and then also just showing the idea of, well, it's a, it's a big change and kind of how do you capture the beauty of a, a certain life and, and what is the fear of giving that up? And I love how that's captured here looking through the window. So one thing when you're shooting a high school a lot is just when and how to make the high school feel and look different. And so these kind of like isolated tracking shots and things like that, you know, like, and how can you make a high school feel? We shot on anamorphic lenses and... Just ways to try and make the smaller story feel big, and uh, you know, and when you have that, you have uh, it works really well for comedy. I think just in terms of because you can do two shots and three shots and four shots and, and keep everybody in the frame and, and 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 these two really have more of an arc throughout the film than any two characters, um, and, and they're at the beginning of it right now. I love what he does with his hands. Yeah. Okay, well, I just have to call my mom first. What was the other line that almost made it in? It's, uh, if I, you know, because swimming lessons, well, if I, if I drown this summer, it's on you. Yeah, it's on you. All right. And here we are. It's another great shout-out to Aaron Osborne here. <laughs> yeah, clearing all of these posters must have just, just been... And going in and seeing this the first day, this was, I was... where the magic happens. I mean, just the, the amount of personality oozing from every single detail in this room. Um, down to everything in every one of the drawers, uh, you know, every one of his his shirts, um, his punch shirts, which were yes, really special. Sexy Martin. Yeah, yeah, I can be sexy. It's one of the only scenes in the film we shot uh, handheld, and sometimes uh, it's it's a little too noticeable. But other times, I the the no intention behind it is this Simon's been. He's he's built a life that he's very at ease for himself, and this is this is very disruptive. What's happening to him here? It's like where, you know, the other thing I always liked story-wise about it is this is where in all the traditional teen romantic comedies the makeover would begin, and instead the exact opposite happens here. You know, uh, Isaac and Elizabeth wrote it wrote it so that the the you know 
our foil is saying make me over and our hero is saying sure and our foil rather is saying no i don't i don't want to change i want to just be who i am and she should like me for me do you want to go with my friends and i yes yes so simple <laughs> must be why they call you simple simon nobody calls me that martin hey uh do you want to like, sleep over nope and then so now we're going to Halloween night, which will be the sort of next sequence we can kind of talk about in the in the movie. I think uh, a really great shout out in here in this whole place to Eric Damon and his team, yes. our costume designer. He, um, um, his inspiration for all of these different things, again, Isaac and Elizabeth sort of came up with these fun, great costume ideas and uh, and jokes abounding you know, throughout as a result of them. And then Eric uh, really just uh, really took the time to design, give these things heart and design. And there's just something so wonderfully throwbacky. I think about even you know you think about uh, Catherine Langford's hat in here, and, and uh, uh, you know she's wearing, and it just feels. That's where even other hints of nostalgia kind of I think come through in the movie. So for any aspiring writers looking to for kind of ideas for how to better, uh, more lovingly adapt books. Like there's also just a really wonderful touch as we're about to see Martin's costume, which you guys co-opted from a different costume that was in the book. Yes. And like yeah, there finding... was a lot of repurposing because Becky had so many great details in there and they wouldn't always work exactly as she had them, but whenever we could pull one and sort of I think the it. most common complaint of people who love the book and watch the movie is where is Simon's Dementor costume? <laughs> um, but that was never going to get approved. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's legal concerns when you have to physically produce a movie that don't exist when you're just writing it on the page. Remember when we went to school dressed as Charlie's Angels? And one person we'll talk about through the sequence, and particularly in the in the um, bedroom scene later on, is Catherine Langford, who, um, you know, uh, had finished shooting the for first season of Thirteen Reasons Why, but it hadn't aired yet, and uh, she sort of exploded, uh, you know, on the scene when when we were in the midst of production, and it was you know terrific to watch, uh, you know, her get so much acclaim for that role and to. Um, um, but she had done such a beautiful job in her auditions for this and, and really connecting us to Leah. Um, and, I invited Martin. And, uh, you know, just, just each one of these young actors, and again, we'll, we'll take our time to talk about each of them, but each one could be the lead in their own film. And to have them all together in this young group that you know are going to go on to do so many more movies and to have them all together on screen, I think is, is really exciting. And we always felt that every day, you know. Abby, Wonder Woman. Here's Martin entering here. <laughs> Deeply upsetting costume. Just pick a song already. I love Alex's just that little moment of discomfort kind of perfectly captured. Honestly, That's I like Netflix. So you know, trying to pick a film on Netflix. I'm like, oh, am I in an Apatow mood? Or am I in a Billy this, Wilder uh, mood? You know? Ooh, play Drake. Nostalgic line kind of coming up here is another example of the kids would hang out together all the time uh, off and and they came in one day and just said uh, this really annoying guy was hitting on us and asking us what made us feel nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you guys feel nostalgic? I mean, I think everybody kind of likes Beyonce. Mine's uh, I, grape soda makes me feel so very nostalgic. Yeah. What, what, are you about? what makes you feel nostalgic? And also so have, perfect. <laughs> I bet you're gonna have the best costume tonight. Thanks. Mm. <laughs> and I, I love the Barack Obama uh, outfit. That, uh, you know, we 
we weren't sure about how relevant some of the Trump things like, you know. <laughs> we took some big swings. There's a, lot, there's a couple of Trump yeah, jokes well, in this thing. Yeah. And poetry. There's a going on vacation in St. Martin reference that we unfortunately couldn't have predicted that they would have yeah, yeah. had that bit of a natural disaster and not become quite a destination. Yeah. John Lennon? Uh, and it, again, um, you know, shout out to John Kulisarian and our, our, our DP and, and his whole team in terms of, you know, how do you make a high school party that you've seen a million times before um, just feel still in the spirit in the film and and I I think of this I've always felt this party sequence is more than just a party it really is Bram and Simon's first date and so and so knowing that the time that you have is sparing with these individuals on with these characters on screen and and you have to use that time to really connect them I love that introduction into the party with Garrett singing <laughs> All right, we should have a little toast. Uh, you, just a quick flash. You saw Becky Albertalli, the author of the book, was actually in this scene. <laughs> we passed her in the wide shot. She's next to the unicorn. Her friend Adam is also a writer. Um, whose book makes appearance in the movie. Whose well. book makes an appearance in the film. And then uh, we have another Jack Antonoff, great Jack Antonoff song in here. Him and Mo and... Uh, and this is one of those scenes again where it's not what I what I always loved about the material the script and you know my hope for it is a film I thought made it evolved is that this isn't this isn't sticky stuff through here it's it's you know there's still comedy there's still jokes that the guys are making and and we're still following Simon's uh, you know uh, awkwardness through here but it's not over the top awkwardness it's not farcical you know and, oh, and oh, oh. Oh. however, <laughs> this is, you can kind of see, uh, there, I mean, there are a few very clear shout outs in the movie to John Hughes things. And, and the, you know, I always think of the, uh, the, the 16 Candles dance and, and uh, 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 Martin's dancing here sort of could be right out of that. Um, but but the scene that's happening between them here is, is still setting up so much of the, it's, it's Simon's first sort of original sin in terms of the lies that he begins to like, corrupt his relationship with his friends. Um, but it's not, again, nothing's too forced. And uh, it allows the movie, I think, the, the brand of comedy in this first half allows the movie to go to some depths in the back half that, um, you know, that we wouldn't be able to go to if it was, if it was more broad. <laughs> That's some dancing. <laughs> Hey, Simon. Hey. Hey, you want to play uh, Beirut? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, we just need two more people. Thanks. How about you and me and then... Keenan um, brings such a sweetness to Bram. Right? You know, I think that's the... Martin. You know. Okay, cool. Hey, Martin. Yeah, Abby. Oh. Let's play Beirut. No, no, I don't... <laughs> I love how she protests the face she makes here. She's so furious that she has to play beer pong with this place. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. The, uh... Beirut, right? We, we yeah. cut this... Yeah. We cut the scene like 50 different ways, just so you know. This was one of those ones where we had so much beer pong material. And uh, and this into the next uh, sequence of the karaoke. Um, Speaking of the first date, like that's right. such a great Yeah, exactly. They really are. I never thought of it that way. All you. Raindrop. Just making the audience want each one before you rip it away from them. But... Um, nice. yeah. 
but these these little pockets of intimacy and, and moments of connection. Do we need a handshake? Is that you get one of these in and we can totally have a handshake. <laughs> this is also this the reel of the film. Halloween night was definitely the reel of the film that took us the longest to edit and um, was the most challenging. Um, and I think in part because there was a wealth of different things. You just see that great moment between Siraj making his This move. is such a cool shot. I love this oh, shot. Oh, yeah. And uh, what I always liked about this here, and obviously we, some of these things you make choices, like you can collapse, you can expand, <clears throat> was that you really, even though he's drunk, it's a hero moment for Simon. You know, he doesn't come out of his shell too, too much until the very end. And so where are we showing that? Where are we demonstrating his his connection? Graham, it's me, Jacques. He's just, I mean, we did this in one shot, and he's just terrific in this. I'm Jacques. <laughs> Rock. It's me, Jacques. <laughs> Why did I pick Jacques? And then uh, the big reveal that Bram is, in fact, not he thinks. Um, not blue. I mean, if he's into minions, it's hard to. <laughs> yeah, you can't argue with that. I'm, I'm sorry, I thought this was the bathroom. Sorry. I love it if that when you go back and rewatch the movie and you see that moment again, it's the conflict on his face is so kind of there, yeah. but you totally you don't get it when you're first watching. And we did a lot of different versions of throw up here. <laughs> and oh, really? Martin should not drink beer. Really? That didn't look like beer. Come on. <laughs> And again, you, so, so, yeah, this was uh, the connection between, we did a lot of chemistry tests um, when we cast them, and the connection between Catherine and, and Nick and as, as Leah and Simon was, you really wanted them to feel like they could grow up, they grew up next door to each other, and they, they had that history and that comfort, comfortability around each other. And they always had it in, in, really in, in spades. What I love about the scene that's coming up is in terms of the empathy in the way that um, that Greg you you drove this like that you can see so many of these moments from so many different characters perspectives and to kind of come in remember what it's like sneaking back into your house having done something a little bit illicit as a teenager but then also taking a moment to be with the parents mm -hmm. and kind of <laughs> take in what that you know what you also they also remember what it's like to do that and uh, you know and now in their new roles parents um, with with uh, you know teenagers testing their limits like it's I, I love I love how much we get to spend time with with all of them in that and Nick plays drunk so well which is really hard to do <laughs> it's just the perfect amount of off kilter <laughs> been staying over ten years it's um you don't have to thank us oh and Jen and Josh just sort of were so uh, you know we did to accent what Isaac was saying earlier at the top you know we wanted to create the kind of family you wanted to be a part of and not mess up, you know, and, and so, because that is the stake sort of for, for Simon is, you know, changing this life. And so having Josh and Jenna as your parents and they're, they're, I could watch them together all day. They're just so easy together and they really do. They just brought so much of that just comfort. 
this to me when I read it, it's the first scene I think in the whole movie that's uh, other than Simon alone in the room writing the letter, but it's the first two-person scene in the film that's over two minutes long, and it's a scene scene. It's really almost the midpoint of the movie, and and it's it's. I when I read Isaac and Elizabeth's draft of it, uh, it was it was the really more than anything reminded me of John the John Hughes movies and and all of the coming of age films that that I grew up with. Just the way they talk about life and the way they talk about high school and and it's and. You know the wanting to, and the way that they feel isolated, and their and 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 the yearning that's happening beneath the surface, and um, it's one we rehearsed a lot. It's one that we, uh, you know, um, I, I I the overhead shot is very much an ode to those films. You know, and Catherine auditioned with it too, I believe. Yeah. Catherine auditioned with it. Um, that was so cool watching that audition when no one knew who she was yet. <laughs> And I'm just unlucky. Uh, unlucky. We always had another song underneath it, but Why? we uh, we had this one written this for the film. Uh, and you know, uh, there's there's I had them do a take in here in in their singles toward the back half of this moment, where I said, "Okay, now pretend like you're going to kiss at the end of the scene," which they both said, "Ugh, if we do that, you're going to use it." <laughs> and, <laughs> Which I don't know why young actors do that sometimes, <laughs> but they. Uh, uh, but see that you you really I think that's but that isn't I feel like so much of young love is about longing, and being unreciprocated, you know, and uh, and there's a part in him obviously in here that's wishing that he, you know, and whether or not he he doesn't consciously kind of know it yet, um, but I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's weird, but I always at this moment think about how comfortable those comforters look. <laughs> His bedding is incredible. Yeah, it's just an amazing bedroom. I don't know what to say. She's so great in this moment. She's what's so Leah's. All, she's going through a very similar thing to Simon, where they have this dynamic and it's yeah. great, and she's afraid of messing up the status quo. So it's it really does show how that that fear of change at this age is so universal, regardless of what your secret is. And how important it is to have great actors in all of these parts so that when the movie takes a left turn and then a right turn and a left turn and a right turn, you want to so go to those yes. places. And he has no idea. I guess we all have secrets. Anyway, I've been thinking about why I haven't come out yet. And then maybe it's because of this uh, next sequence here was was there was a version in the book, but the Isaac and Elizabeth just turned it into this. And then on the day, we got a lot of these you know local actors in, in Atlanta they just did a wonderful They're job of, of yeah. adding their own personality <laughs> to it. <laughs> I like girls. <laughs> there is, we, we actually have 15 minutes more of this stuff. This was one of those sequences where I think I kept shooting and everyone's like, we're never going to use all this. What are you doing? Well, when we had some time just in editorial, we would be like, just play that again. Like, just, <laughs> like, it wasn't, like, we have work to do, but, like, just, just play start to finish everything they, everything that they did responding. <laughs> Um, I always think it's weird. It says thin behind his head, but we had someone who watched the chalkboard. It says think, but he cuts it off. He is thin, so. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, think. So this is the wall of gay. They worked on this. We worked on this in the like this was hanging in the wall in the production uh, when we were shooting. We would add to it. They would add images. Zach Woodley, who choreographed this sequence, uh, is, uh, was a choreographer I worked with for a number of years. He did a lot of the. He did Glee for a number of years. And, you know, uh, we had about a day to rehearse this, a day to shoot it, a half a day to shoot it. Where was this? A college? Uh, it was at a college out there uh, in, in, in Atlanta. To play for, obviously, like a UCLA-esque kind of thing. 
and and it was never meant speak. to be the spirit of this was always again not to meant to be oh simon suddenly turned into you know took a gay pill and is an amazing dancer he's it's just him it is you know most uh happy and just again those moments of joy for young simon a little bit of a ferris bueller shout out here only direct address in the film i'm not sure i'll keep ruminating love jacques And again, you'll hear the audience gasp sometimes at that moment just of typing love. Um, I think we've all had that your message has been sent feeling, <laughs> regard, whether it's love or something else. Just, there's no getting that back. We fly to St. Martin for New Year's. Anybody else Christmas in the Caribbean? Staying here. We have a classic spear trip. Yeah, now we're entering sort of what the sort of second, third, I'd say, of the film. I always kind of, I'm always looking at ways to divide the movie up into sequences, into you know, groups so that you can be cognizant through all the different departments of like, what is the mood and the tone and the feeling of this section of the movie? And obviously it's the post Bram segue into, this was always for me the most, uh, the section I was always the most concerned about making sure we kind of went from one into the next into guy number two, um, you know, and it, it's still, I think probably the, the section of the film where there's a, a lull compared to, so much of uh, the rest of the movie, but I think it's an important lull, which is something we actually talked about when we were in <laughs> post and when we were testing the film. That there's, you know, Simon's kind of gearing back up again, and uh, uh, and and so so is the audience. And then because what you really don't want is a lull from the mid, the, you know, yeah. from the, what's coming up to the end. Just a little bit of improv from the guys here. Most of it. Uh, this is a lot you're juggling between the loss of one suspect without having a new a right. new potential mm -hmm. love interest. Um, but we're also working towards something that, um, Greg, was one of your favorite, my favorite of your notes, that when you first read the script and started talking to us about, you know, where where it could go, something that, that you said was uh, what we really wanted to land, particularly in terms of landing si our sympathy with Simon for continuing to deceive his friends for so long, was to believe for a moment that maybe deceiving everyone could work out for everybody. Mm. And a big part of that was making sure that it was a moment we thought maybe Abby and Martin could get together. And the sequence we're, we're leading up to, you know, really is, is where we start to get at the heart of that. And I think it, I mean, I, it's... It, it, it remains one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, just such an unexpected scene that Martin is the one who unlocks Abby and sort of makes Simon realize that he hasn't been the best friend to her and sort of never pushing her on on her life before Creekwood. This is our last day of production, and I love that we crescendoed to Waffle House because I <laughs> ate so many waffles in this day, and, and everyone got sick because <laughs> we ate so many waffles. They were delicious, by the way, but we ate so many. And then... Everybody kind of like got that was only in the first half of the day, and then we all did a second round. <laughs> <laughs> Waffle House was wonderful. They were very concerned that Martin ordered something originally that wasn't on the menu, and that people were going to come in and be very disappointed. So we we adjusted for them, but they were great. They were great, and to me, also the other thing that's being cognizant of in teen films is, and we can talk about Joey Polari in a second, who's sort of um, um, possibility number Simon, possibility number two, which starts to kick in here, but. You know, I just think, you know, high school is sort of about time with your friends is, is divided up into like school events, but also time alone with them is usually in, in a car or at, at like some place you can eat out all night late. 
you know, and like, and, and, and the freedom of that time and like where you kind of, you know, that that's your hangout, those hangout spots and those moments, this, this to always, and, and again, this is so beautifully lit by John Glossarian and scored by Rob Simonson. And it just, it really does to me evoke, uh, it does feel like for a minute, I'm almost back in high school and I'm, I'm kind of back in the, back in the eighties. And, and, and obviously it's also this, uh, this whole next section is a great time to talk about um, our Abby because um, she's so wonderful through this this whole um, you know area um, and and yes Martin has one moment here where he can he has to kind of make the audience feel the kind of sympathy for him if at all possible um, so that then he could be a viable candidate for for Abby moving moving forward and but and and this was this was the this was the scene that Abby auditioned, that Alexandra, that Alex uh, auditioned with and did such a great job with. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that one. Okay. Well, and look at Nick here. He's still like, he's like what is going on? Are these, <laughs> like, is this actually happening? But just this combo of, of uh, you know, Martin's shirt mm -hmm. and like. Yeah. And the room of the, the restaurant of people play it perfectly. Too. That There's amber sure. glow of the, you know, this sort of. And warm kind of Rob's piece through here and that's uh, and the reverse is Tim Bourne our physical producer on the film who did such he was such a uh, did such a wonderful job and was and was such an amazing partner as confused Waffle House patron number as one. As confused Waffle House patron, <laughs> he's appeared in many movies and this kind he's of role, good, and yeah. it's good luck. Yeah. I think he's in he's in Working Girl. He's in he's in a few. Uh, That's good company. Yeah, yeah Working Girl. Wow. Well, uh, let's uh, get back. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> my and so we're about to go into uh, Simon and Joey's uh, and and to me Waffle Guy always is Waffle House guy. Um, which is sort of how he's was initially <laughs> referred to in the yeah. in the script, um, but Lyle is is has a confidence that Simon doesn't yet have, and and hey. he's the one you know. So if 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 Graham is sort of the all American uh, high school uh, soccer player, then then here he comes in meets this guy who has uh, his own sort of like swagger and confidence, and and then we we'll sort of talk about Cal the third possibility later. He has extra pens in his backpack, like. You know, he's just waiting for the day and, that uh, someone comes up to ask him. For but they all, again, they kind of have to come in in a very brief period of time and make a connection. You see everything, don't you, Simon? And, and uh, the other thing is you know. sort of get through here is just Simon that Nick plays so well is just his own awkwardness around his own uh, and, and that endears us to him, you know, just his, his kind of trying to be cool. He's actually a much cooler person in real life. And so it's kind of like I think I imagine it has to be some deal of work to be uncool. I wouldn't know because yeah. I only uh, <laughs> I'm uncool to start with. I don't know how to go in the other direction. But he decools himself when he's Simon. Yeah, it's maybe it's the hoodies. More fumpering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He more always fumpering. reminds me. It's a weird reference, but of like of a non-British young Hugh Grant. This was another section that, again, Harry, uh, the editor, really just created this we actually added so when we're in the blue letters you know you can kind of feel that warmth the blue warmth this was added this was not shot this way so this was one of those ones we added in post because we realized 
we hadn't we had shot it uh, just traditionally and wanted to make sure that it fit in with the language. I've always loved this joke. Here. Now was Lyle is Lyle Jewish in the book? Is the second possibility Jewish? Well, it's I mean. Bram, I mean, the, the actual Bram Blue is Jewish. Is. Yeah. So it definitely comes up that, uh, you know, that Blue... Oh, like right, right, it com right. It yeah, comes across along the way yeah. that, that Blue is Jewish. And so something I remember uh, just kind of... That was that was tricky to get that, that menorah lit and not actually set <laughs> that motel room on fire, which... Yes. Which would have upset our, our wonderful live Bishop Tim Bourne. But he's so... This was the... First scene when I, I was starting to watch the dailies and watch stuff cut together that I would start crying and I didn't kind of more as emotional as the scene is like it was sort of I was having a, a, a rational response to it and and I started to realize just how uh, powerful it was to sort of see this kind of you know to to see something that felt so true to my own high school experience though I didn't come out to someone. And then they just played it so beautifully. Um, and and uh, I also feel like it was just so, it's written in such the perfect way where it's just the right amount of comedy and the right amount of truth. And and uh, Alex is, is her, her timing here is, is excellent. And it's, and also us, we were very cognizant of the different times Simon says I'm gay in the movie. And he's not really quite, he isn't really ready to say it until the very end. And, and so, you really can feel Nick, uh, Simon processing this, and yeah, there's that great moment that Nick has when when Martin's confronting him and first blackmailing him, where he says, "You're gonna tell the whole school." And he can't even say it. You know that that which you know to build to this. Yeah. The scene really. Did you guys see Alex on Conan O'Brien? And they played this clip, and it cut back to Conan. He was like clearly not expecting it, and kind of had to recover. It was <laughs> it was funny. Surprised. No. This is where so you knew. the movie has turned out to be uh, uh, one where you see it with an audience where people do really laugh and really cry and cheer in the intermittently in the film itself. And, and oh, this is about where you hear the sniffles. And I think yeah. it's where, and it's also the tonally just a turning point. It's, it's, it's our first step toward, again, the film allowing itself to be more serious. But then she still undercuts it with the joke about the but turn signal, joke, yeah. yeah, always important. <laughs> Toe the line. And this is uh, one of the things that that Rob Simonson, our composer, did no, so brilliantly was, you know, so much of the voice of the film, in addition to the synth part, but then this part in here is is finding the uh, something you know that tonally represents and the soul of, of of the music, like identifying with Simon and and connecting with his character. And this is when he introduces this the male vocals, which is actually Rob's male vocals. You inspired me. Yeah. I know that. I came out to my friend tonight. I never would have done that without you. And it really just connect. I always love that scene. In fact, he gave me this piece of score. He framed it for me as a as a closing gift for the movie. Um, I think the the having that that previous scene, the the moment where it would just to kind of get that. The generosity of Alex, the love, um, is, uh, is 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 really powerful. I I found I've cried many times watching this movie, but that is for me also the. You're first not crying time. right now. What happened? <laughs> no cried all the tears out. I know. Blue. 
And again, yeah, Simon, uh, so much of this film is Simon being, you know, uh, having the football pulled out from beneath him. That is good. And, uh, <laughs> George is always drinking coconut water. He made a character what choice. Is? <laughs> what day is it? Must be Friday. Oh. oh. But I guess I'm being loved, right? Oh. George Lindenberg, this is a great scene to talk about him in, you know. He, he came in, and he was the only person we did in chemistry read opposite Nick because he came in and was just so our character Nick. He was just so, by the way, not easy to have a character named Nick and a star Deeply named Nick confusing. at the same time. Very challenging <laughs> to give notes to. Uh, you know, and he just was, his affability and his warmth and his sweetness, it, it was, it was I, I was a closet gay kid in, in a, where it lived in a fraternity house, and, and part of it was, like, I just... Like so many just sweethearted guys that like were so straight and so just sweet, you know, and, and, and I found so much comfort in just I felt like I could be myself around them too. And I just love their connection in the movie and they have you know, they had it in real life and, and it and and it's it, their friendship is one that's really I think a valuable thing in the film and he he um you know is 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 lying to his friend uh, repeatedly here. And again, it was always tricky to massage him pushing him toward Leah, which is obviously, you know, it's it's not something that we ever force as like a plot where you really think Leah and him are interested. It's more, um, you know, it's 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 more stumbling block than it is necessarily trying to convince the audience that these two other people might be together or, you know, and they think they'll ever kind of played it that way. But it was definitely one of our it's a subtle thing that's being woven through the uh, film, and, and it's, you know, again, I think uh, helpful. It's just enough for Simon to be able to convince himself that maybe maybe they could make sense together. Maybe there is interest. There was a, a, a storyline that you guys can see on the because there's a scene from it that we cut out that was coming up around here. Uh, that was Abby, um, 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 Simon lying to Abby as well about um, about how Nick had been a bad guy to a previous girlfriend. And it felt a bridge too far, like maybe we were pushing it too much. And also time-wise, was, it was enough, I think, for him to have one series of lies going yeah. through his friends. Um, he had done enough. But they're great in the scenes. You'll see them on the thing. Oh, are they going to put them on? That's yeah, yeah, that yeah, one's cool. in there. And the whole, uh, when we get to it, the, the, the going to the dance club and oh, everything. Cool. Awesome. This was another. This was a moment that they rehearsed at the very start of production yes. a bunch, and just this dynamic. You haven't seen it before in a big movie like this of, of a girl teaching a guy how to be gay, <laughs> <laughs> how to talk about guys. Yeah. We also knew we were going to only have two days for this entire everything that happens on a football field in here, and you know, with all the different angles and a lot of visual effects to add, uh, you know, Philip stands and things like that, and and uh, just a marching band and a football team and and the obviously the human drama and the confession that's about to happen and it ended up also being the two coldest days on record for <laughs> march in uh you know in in atlanta the day it had experienced ever uh so it's uh, the other thing you should know is that in between these moments the actors would then be covered with uh clothing and be put by a, a heating lamp and because it was so cold and all of our amazing extras uh, in the background and everything that the uh, you know that they went through uh, and had to be out for was 
Uh, I was I looked like Han Solo in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I was so covered up. <laughs> and they're all in jean jackets. <laughs> I'll talk about good acting. The fact they don't even look cold at all. No, but I like that. It feels a little cold. It's I love the bit. movie. Does yeah. capture seasons in a way where yeah. it was shot over a pretty condensed time and. That wasn't all really happening weather-wise. You can thank Atlanta really, weather, yeah, though, great to a certain job. degree. And it was such a, it was like a 20-degree drop while we were there, yeah, or 20-degree variance. Two chicken shit. And this is obviously where Simon gets his heart broken for the deal. second time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you and her hang out a lot. We shot a lot of this whole like a, sequence a on Steadicam because it's really just, no. you know, again, no, the uh, advantage of having a single lead like this who you're with all the time is, is it really tells you, I think, a lot of times, for those that are listening for any kind of directorial tips, is it just so often tells you, you know exactly where you're supposed to be in the scene because you're always with Simon, you know, and, and he's pulling you in and out of places and into other places. And <laughs> Dude, it's me. <sighs> yeah, Creekwood Bear. Of course you are. Thank you. Not a compliment. Hey, um, I figured out my next move with Abby. Great, that's good for you, Martin. Well, I... I just wanted to run it by you real quick. No, Martin, look. I've been helping you for weeks, and I am sick and tired of One of the of things that uh, is a testament to Becky's novel and, and very much is translated by Isaac and Elizabeth is figuring out ways where so much of the comedy, which is kind of throughout this, because of the whole movie, comes from character. And, you know, from the nature of Martin's kind of grand gesture that we're about to see, to even, I love the way Taylor uh, introduces the national anthem, mm-hmm. which, you know, is both hilarious and says so much about that character. <laughs> um, oh. <clears throat> I think this is a good section to Ethan. I didn't know you liked Clark Morris, Ethan. <laughs> he, uh, didn't your mother ever tell you not to grab your micro? You know, we always had the Ethan character in there. We knew we wanted to show another out kid in the school and, and Clark came in and just was Clark. And he, he sort of helped us define who Ethan was just by being himself. And uh, uh, us just letting Clark be Clark, I think, was always what made it so specific. Yeah, he was another one that was so much fun to write for. Elizabeth and I had a, a lovely hotel breakfast one day in Atlanta just writing penis jokes for Clark Moore to say in the scene. Why would I go with Martin? Please stand for the national um, anthem. So I, f- I feel like now is a good time through here to talk about uh, our, our both our producing collective and our studio collective who were so instrumental creatively in the film too. And it just, it can't be said enough. Um, Fox 2000 who, who greenlit the movie and uh, Aaron and Elizabeth over there, uh, you know, had such a passion for, uh, um, you know, for from the, the second we all got together, they told me they were making this film. And it allowed for us to put together this team of individuals that were involved in it because there was never a question of whether or not this film was going to get made. And there's been a lot of talk since it came out and, and you know, the release about a first of its kind and, and a studio film with a gay teen lead. And, and we were all somewhat aware of it. I think we became more aware of the absence of that and the, how important it was that this was existing, I think, throughout production and throughout the showing it to audiences. But, but, but... The studio was always not just supportive, but also, um, um, you know, pushed us to really cognizant of how and what ways are you guys going to make these different scenes and sequences iconic and feel 
big and still feel like and this was always one that we always kind of went back to and spoke about and and even though we only had two days to shoot it but just really being cognizant of like okay where every other other film would would present the you know martin doing something successful here or you know how can this be a flop yeah you know that yep. really um people will remember and cringe and think about as like and and make them never want to ever make a, a public confession of their of their <laughs> which love which is a terrible idea nobody should ever do this <laughs> and uh and then also uh our producers uh with godfrey marty bowen puya bazian and isaac who's sitting next to me uh, you know, I think a lot of times in Hollywood, people think producers are just money people or just whatever. There's uh, not the best ones. The best ones can do it all. They actually are people who can, uh, they offer, they can do anything at any phase, whether it's editorial or whether it's the overseeing the writing of it or being there on the day or helping, uh, with casting. And, uh, they're more than just even a vetting process. They offer thousands and thousands of ideas that if you're smart, you get to kind of claim as your own and uh and they're also your first audience while you're doing things and they're both honest and inspiring and encouraging and and uh every single uh every single person above the line on this movie uh contributed so much to every little moment just so many of the nuances of the film um you know were inspired by their thoughts and ideas and even though isaac's here uh and is is very humble and sweet he he was the one who really kept pushing for both isaac and elizabeth to to uh, uh, write this and, and uh, you know, was was by all of our sides throughout. And, uh, um, and uh, um, again, I think it's important uh, just to point out that, you know, um, that all those people are that I mentioned are straight. And, <laughs> and yet here is this gay uh, romantic comedy uh, that exists because of all of them. And uh, I think that's really, really cool. But that's also why it was so important and special when Greg did come on board. He brought so much just in those initial conversations about the script of his own experience and also of creating the movie that he wished he had as a gay teenager. And so there were there the especially in the coming out scenes, things got so much more special and specific and personal once we had Greg and his uh, his experience to draw on. I want to make sure you're doing all right. I know it's been tough since. Uh... And the film's about to take even a darker turn. <laughs> so now we're moving into a whole... And again, it's just... You don't, mean, the, you don't mean Martin's voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in there? Really? I need you to help me decorate. Untangle this these is not cool. This is another perfect, annoying dad thing. <laughs> like, why would you do that? All right, there you go. Okay, Merry Christmas. The only scary thing about Josh and Jen in those roles is that I'm their age, which means I'm old enough to have a child like this and nobody would question it. <laughs> which was something all of the three of us went through together when we were making the movie. But we didn't talk that much about it to other people. Oh, shit. There's barely electricity and definitely no And here's Miles, who has to come in third uh, to the film and has been there throughout. Cal is the one who I'd say in the book is the most pronounced, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and you you also notice each time we go back to the different blues, they get a little darker and darker throughout the movie, uh, just in terms of the blue tone and tint. We tried several different tests, and there were just times it felt too noiry. But right in there, by the time we get to Miles, and and I just wanted to point out this one Christmas song coming up here is a Christmas song I've wanted to use in television or movies for 50, 20 years. 
and have held and held until the perfect <laughs> it worked thing. And uh, uh, because I felt like it never gets used, and I so remember it from my childhood. It so reminds me of of Christmas. Although for me, it was the Stevie Wonder version. And Season Kent, our music supervisor, said, "No, no, no, you got to use Michael." And uh, through here, and this was also another beat and another scene that when I saw it in post, not even on the day I didn't have these feelings, but when I saw this moment cut together for the first time and saw it in editorial, um, I, I started to have like a sadness around it, like a happy sadness, but I was emotional about it. And I realized it was just because this shot right here, it's always a guy and a girl, always, mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in other romantic comedies. And here it's, you know, it's it's really interesting the difference between, you know, there's there's the fact that we know that's the case, but you know it's one thing to know it intellectually, then to actually just see it on screen, it has its own power yeah. in a different way. And yeah, I I I cheered up the first time I saw that scene to say like just, you know, this almost kiss they so desperately crave. Um, it's uh yeah it's great and coming up here is going to be a great time to talk about talitha bateman we should all probably be talking about this instead of martin addison's home simon has two sisters in the book and we did lose the older sister from an earlier draft in part because we didn't want to have to go after parents who would believe that they had a 25 year old yeah, that's, a, that's even a harder <laughs> ask beautiful jen and josh and convince them they're old enough to <laughs> it was hard enough for all of us to accept that we could have a 17 year old but no the other part was that there is so much happening in the film um and and it's too late no people have already seen really allows us to have one pronounced sister and she is i mean talk about a young girl who is has is like a future meryl streep i mean she just is so, um, so what are you, gonna do? you know, and could do this scene uh, again and again, and every time would get upset, and every time I would I would go back afterwards behind the camera, and I'd, I just want to hug her. I felt so bad. And she's like, no, I'm totally okay. I'm like, All right, well, I'm, I feel pain for you. Um, yeah, I think, it, you know, it was, I remember we debating kind of losing the older sister, but you know, in the way that we wanted to give time to every character and let them have have a life. I mean, even you know, even Siraj, who we see kind of um, hit on Leah and then end up with a girlfriend at the end of the movie. Um, in you know, every everyone has these little moments, and it just felt like we needed to be a little bit more. We uh, wanted to reward multiple viewing, <laughs> which which is also seems to be. There's a lot of people going back multiple times to the theater to see it, which is always nice. So cool. Um, and this is, I think this is Simon's darkest moment in the whole movie. And, and Oh, I think it's when the email account yeah. gets deleted. Oh. That's oh. the part that, oh, where I'm just like, oof, he's so alone. But the sh magnitude of shame yes. that he feels there. Yeah. I'm not having my um, and we don't do a lot of, uh, we didn't do a lot of tricky camera work in the film. We sort of let the acting and I think, and, and just the uh, portraiture kind of speak for itself, but this is one of the few times that really, um, I specifically wanted to isolate Simon, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and we do a, a very few, I don't, I don't even know if there's another pushing off the top of my head on the whole movie that, that we didn't, maybe a few of the little smaller ones we created in post or whatever, but this is, this was, um, you actually, um, some, uh, one of those days that Nick just blew me away in terms of 
what is it? It's the second time he has to talk about, he talks openly uh, about Well, let me guess. being gay. And you got somebody pregnant. His no, you're pregnant. Pain and <laughs> awkwardness <laughs> and sense of isolation. No, uh, that he's feeling, that we're feeling for him. And yet still, even with these great parents, again. you know, uh, Honey. who, again, always important that they don't hug or anything at the end of the scene, that it's left uh, unresolved. Um, as much as Jen's playing a great mom, you know, and, and um, that she's smart enough to know that this isn't a... This isn't a moment that she, she wants to kind of let him have his space. It's not funny. And uh, it was one of the days on set where everybody was really, I think, uh, could tell that if that this was going to be more than just a teen romantic comedy. That's for you. No, that's for you. That's for me. And it was always written, I think, uh, to be more than that. And if you cast the right actors, you, <laughs> it's a good step in that direction. I think the way Josh played the sort of reaction, which is... You know, it not intended to be harmful, but is right. still it's a it's a lot he's taking in, and you and you see the the conflict on his face. Just need he needs a moment too, and uh, and yet we're so in Simon's head about just feeling the lack of the the lack of security confirmation that is just as is because awful. he's so not okay with himself. You know, it's just the internal closet that he's putting on himself. And just the comedy, I think it's so important when it comes back in, yeah. you know, in little moments like it just did. Just how critical that that is. I wonder if Anderson Cooper has seen this. Uh, I know, <laughs> I know that Andy Cohen did. Uh, yeah, yeah, Andy did. And I think Anderson got a link. I don't know. Who knows? Funny. <laughs> this, um, by the way, you talked about some of the scenes we had lost. Yes, um, that was just the whole yeah. section we just lost it in. The post-Christmas in the book. He goes out, and by the way, it wasn't in earlier draft, and then I, I had Isaac and Elizabeth put the whole, say, the, going to the club yeah. was, but the fight afterwards yeah. wasn't, and then they wrote that beautifully. You can see that's it. It's a, yeah, on the that, DVD. That's a cool scene. Everyone should check it's, that out. They, yes, the whole section. Josh and Jen are really great. And you can kind of see also, I think, ultimately, you'll see why we lost it. My editor was the first person to lose it and show me it without it, and I was one of those sections where I was like, don't do that, don't do that, and he showed it to me, and I was like, oh, shit, now it works. Yeah. <laughs> and now I've got to go, and, and, and I sort of did, went through the same cycle with the producers where everybody at first blush thought, no, no, but it's so important, and then you see it, and you, you realize, oh, like, oh, there's been a lot of conflict in this movie, and, you know, we kind of do want to... The, uh, running time in a comedy is so important to me, yeah. and even a minute makes a difference, but six minutes, seven minutes makes a massive difference, I think, toward cresting, toward the end. Uh, and that that's really, this is where we're going, obviously, hard into the third act after he's been exposed and the, the final third of the movie. Well, it's, a, it's a real, um, one, one of the many qualities that Greg has that makes him a great director is, and it's something that is, I think, really hard to do as a director, is to recognize when there are great scenes that you love, that you're attached to, that are well-made, well-performed, and don't serve the whole more yeah. to be willing and able to lose them, uh, and and that was I remember the way you kind of pitch like, now d just you just give this a minute because I know this is what you think you know but just just watch it and see and then you know when we all came to the same conclusion but the fact that you were the first to well after, after Harry pointed out that you were so able to so quickly recognize what worked um, was really I think impressed. one of the things I've loved about working with uh, Isaac and Elizabeth is we all come from 
television. We do a lot of TV, and you get bashed a lot in film when you come from TV because people go, "Oh, is this going to be like a TV <laughs> thing? You're going to do another TV <laughs> thing?" But it's so underrated, and and uh, in terms of just how you have to learn about economy of scenes, economy of there's just so much, especially television now, um, you know, and, and how it does have to compete with film uh, in terms of just scope and size and also artfulness and. and and, but be 42 minutes, which is why and, Greg is probably so good at not being precious <laughs> about cutting scenes. And, and I think I've almost had as many scenes I've written and or made not end up showing yeah. any place as have. Um, I can deal with you being gay, Cy. But this was always, again, you know, just the just the always massaging these sections in terms of when you're tonally shifting things into a whole new and and now we really are going into just Simon's darkest hours you know um, and uh, you know both him alone here at the school we had uh, we had a Siraj joke that came up after this but <laughs> it was before uh, the girl who he used to date um, what was that joke that was funny um, you, you guys know, my it. cousin's trance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there were like two or three of them. Yes. Um, for, the, uh, for the record, when I was... Oh, yeah, pre-op. <laughs> like, Why are you telling me that? <laughs> Siraj finally spoke. He yeah. did yeah. have a line in the it movie. Was, exactly. It's just, he was just showcasing his understanding. Yeah, but I think the yeah. ex-girlfriend by herself is just perfect. Yeah. I also think the rainbow pin there, oh, you guys yeah. had in the script. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it also got to tie back in because what I, if I, I, I think something that, you know, um, was, was an idea of Tony's. Was it? Was this in the script? Now I'm trying to remember where he's like. You know, you remind me a lot of me. Mm -hmm. But then the idea that he's kind of like, but not exactly. Not, yeah, I didn't mean. I didn't yeah. mean this. <laughs> um, and that balance of both showing the understanding and also failing to understand. The sensitivity um, around, yeah. like, uh, how you could still be homophobic right. in ways that you didn't even realize yeah. it, but still be the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. And, like, I think there's that with both Josh, his character, and his character. Yep. yep. They're trying their best. Now, these guys are not This was their also best. another day where every single actor who has a line in the movie wanted to get up and do something and felt like it was really important. But, yeah. again, you know, for the, when actors, when characters in the movies, I think, or shows, you know, do stuff... It robs the audience of, of mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it steals from the audience their desire to want to do something. Um, and it really was about building toward this, which was always, which was in the original draft I read of the script. Natasha's speech in here was just always, and, and it was one of the things that won her the part. You know, uh, she just always performed this so brilliantly. And it turns out she actually was a high school drama teacher for five years, which is why I think... So much of that and her just comedic talent. And she's just talk about someone who we're going to see as the lead in movies for years to come. Yeah. I mean, she's just such a superstar and um, had the whole audience and the, the whole room here, all the extras and stitches in between she's takes so by tossing funny. out different yeah. possibilities for closing lines, including yeah, like this one, this one. It's usually one of the biggest laughs in the movie, get my tubes tied. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Which she made up. heading us into this next sequence, which to me, again, without this scene, we wouldn't have the Ethan storyline in, in the whole movie because to me, showing the that these two very different gentlemen, you know, uh, still have so much in common and are two very different representations of a community 
and their moment of connection here was sort of really what we're driving toward with the two of them. You could have told me you were gay. I guess I didn't think we had very much in common. <laughs> you're telling me, Simon. It's not like another moment showcasing our costume designer talent. <laughs> Just how different. Yeah, well, and yeah. and that mm -hmm. comes into character and becomes part of this moment between them. You know, what you know, how much, but you know, what what you wear does say so much about you, and yet, yeah, I mean, um, one of the films we looked at a lot, in addition to the John Hughes stuff, was we looked at um, the Outsiders, uh, say anything, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and when Eric showed me this jacket on the left uh, on Simon, um, I was like, that's our ode to the Outsiders. It's so, it's so cool. It so reminds me of, yeah. forget about 80s, it goes all the way back to the yeah. 50s or 60s, and it has yeah. such its own hear her voice when she talks kind of uh, quality. And that, that next to Clark's uh, <laughs> gingham, what's that called? Yeah, the sweater vest. Come on in. Come on. Also had a great improv moment coming up in here where, <laughs> where that we just cut because it was a little too yeah. much, but... Uh, where uh, uh, where Tony added the line of, uh, uh, you know, guess who's uh, going to be the, uh, you guys are going to have to march in the gay pride parade this year, or guess who's going to be the <laughs> yeah, grand yeah, marshals yeah. of the pride parade, and Clark said, me? <laughs> <laughs> we are not toy friends. Yeah, no. whatever, whatever you want to call us. Um, Seriously. We named these two bullies. Their names Spencer and Aaron. My brother's Aaron, and Elizabeth's brother is Spencer. And I thought it was like a fun Easter egg, you know, rag, rag on your brother kind of insider joke. And Elizabeth did too, up until about a day before shooting when she had a panic attack that it wasn't oh that her brother wouldn't like it. So we just took out the, the dialogue, the spoken dialogue of their names. But if you look in the credits, it is still there. And I maintain that it's funny. And this is. This is the only fuck you guys had in the script, and it's the perfect fuck. We had to fuck. choose it, yeah. yeah. We, we, I yep. think we had like 12. You get, you get one. Yeah. That was, a, that was a tough day. Perfect one. And uh, this was also our first or second day of shooting. And, uh, yeah, know, this was get, really we, early. We got a range of, of different versions from Simon, because you didn't know until you're putting the movie together, like, how hot should he be with? Mm -hmm. And thank God we got this one. We got this toward the end where we just said, you know what, just, I know it seems so self-evident now, but it just... When you're on your first day of shooting, this was shot entirely in a different location, actually, by the way. They hear this piece in here. Um, but uh, when you're on your first day, you just, you you know, even with two weeks of rehearsal, yeah, it just wasn't apparent that, it's like, wait, that, why am I that it would mad? work. That he, it could yeah. feel like that could be too big, you mm -hmm. know? No, it's so important. This is the part of the movie that absolutely kills yes. me. And Nick, also in a day that we knew was going to be challenging, and, and uh, Nick had a lot of different moments in his bedroom on the same day um you know you've seen throughout the movie how spread out they are and knew he had to do this at the end of a day and just brought it every time mm -hmm. uh, that failed permanently yeah. that's the real email language and it's so perfectly dramatic <laughs> for this <laughs> Yeah, this is one of those moments when we first uh, cut it together. We like tried songs underneath, we tried whatever. Yeah. We had a piece of score through testing that was okay, and then Rob Simonson scored this this way, and now it's it's a moment where everybody's so emotional. It wasn't as much a moment where everyone was so emotional. Yeah. By the way, so many people mention our sort of our mini movie with the the coffees and stuff that would happen. You yeah. know, that represent. That's a John Gulasarian special. That's an example of yeah. a great DP, where John said from the beginning, 
one shot that has to be in this movie is all the overhead shots of the coffees. <laughs> and, uh, and Miles as Cal in here, and this is obviously where we find out he's not. And what's so sweet and warm about Miles is even just in this one scene, he just, you know, your heart breaks in a whole new way for Simon. Because, A, this guy is so kind and nice. Yeah, he and, seems great. <laughs> he still wants to help him. That's he still the best wants part. To help he's not him. offended. He's not insulted. He just wants to help him. I know you've had a crazy couple days. You want to talk yeah, about there's, it? There's so much kindness here, and it is one of, you know, one of the things that I, I, I'm so glad kind of comes through in the movie, which is just, uh, you know, it's kind of an aspirational way of being that people can be so thoughtful and giving towards each other, which doesn't mean they don't make they don't make mistakes, they don't hurt each other, but everyone's heart is is ultimately in the right place, even Spencer and Aaron. <laughs> even Spencer quick, and Aaron. Quick shout out <laughs> about that carnival thing. That again, to me, just the small passages of time and those kind of things. That was also very reminiscent of of the films from that era. It was just this kind of like a character contemplating a vista. <laughs> like in a wide shot, but that you still were so with them for that moment, you know. Um, and now we're heading into the, you know, sort of Simon's trio of scenes where he sort of makes peace with these different, or they make peace with him. And obviously, first up is mom. And we knew, always knew we wanted them to be distinguished, and they were written as three separate kind of things, and 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 have that. And then obviously, the actors all brought their own sort of wonderful quality and Nick's response in each one and Simon's response in each one is different and um and this was the day that had the whole everyone on set in tears um you know we, we've talked a lot about just the distinction between what mom is saying which is you know and what dad is saying and dad is sort of saying I still love you and and obviously that's Simon's sort of fear there although Simon arguably is giving back something more to his father than then his dad's even giving to him, and mom's really driving him toward the whole into the whole last lap of the film, with you deserve love, you know, you deserve a love story, and 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 there was a part of me that thought maybe this was really just specific to the gay experience that hearing this would be powerful, but then on set that day I really realized, oh gosh, this is something everybody really needs to hear, you know, Nick's first time listening to it as Simon, he burst into tears, which you can see in the wide shot. Um, that was the first take. That was wow. the very first take, and then the, the next thing you start to realize happening is, oh gosh, push in on you know, go tighter on Jen right away, <laughs> because you don't <laughs> let's want get this, let's know, get exactly, this. exactly. You don't want to miss anything when it's happening, you know, and and so. Uh, it sucks. She's so great in the scene, yeah. and this is the scene Greg was referring to that she really did. She felt like her character needed, and she pushed us to to include it, and thank yeah. God she did. Yeah. That idea of you get to exhale now, as I as I talk to people who are seeing the movie yeah. for the first time, is something that is one of the most recurring takeaways. Is you know I think it is universal the idea of how scary it can be to be yourself without reservation, but also that it it it, it is a real gift and and um, it's it's a you know it's a beautiful idea, beautifully told mm. by Jen here. There you can see him. He was genuinely uh, wow, and that was the very first a puddle thing, of tears yeah. in, in the... Yeah. And I like that she leaves at the end to give him, gives him a, yeah. some space to sit with that. And then, this is why you guys... This was a last minute. Yes, yeah, yeah. so we moved this location because yeah. we didn't want sitting, 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 you know, yeah. three scenes of... 
I know. I, I was in upstate and you, New York you, in this vacation Isaac, you house. tossed that line about, which I always thought was so funny about running jeans and all that stuff. I was, <laughs> well, like, I was, oh, trying so to, I was in the middle of nowhere. I wasn't, Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth was somewhere with no service. I had barely any service. And I'm like trying to understand you and Wick explaining what we need to change <laughs> so we can rewrite this like a couple of hours before it shoots. Hey, Leah, please, listen. Look, I know, okay? You didn't want anyone to know you're gay. No, that wasn't just it. And the sound here was just awful. It was we were yeah. right by an airport, and it was like every plane was flying and leaving, and then all of a sudden a train came in. I think a ship went by, <laughs> <laughs> like it was any large vessel that transports people. Uh, but uh, and a thunderstorm started. This was the most I think the most physically challenging scene because of the uh, uh, inclement weather and the combination, just a million things. Uh, but because we had rehearsed it and these kids really knew what they were going to do with it and uh, they just brought it and we were able to get it in time really quickly. And um, it's it's uh, a lot of thought into uh, went into just because of the seasons and the arcing out of the seasons, just like, you know, uh, what's happening behind them in terms of like color and tone and like how many leaves were on the ground and are there too many leaves? Should there be a frost? Should there be, you know, like where are we at? And uh and this is still in the winter section, uh, but nobody ever seems to notice how green it is. Yeah. But Atlanta, it's Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. But it's Atlanta. Tropical climate, right? <laughs> and uh, coming up, obviously, is the is the Josh scene, and and you know, I, I I think that this, I've said before, but this uh, these two scenes, mom and dad scene depending on where you cry is sort of a Rorschach test if you have mom issues yeah. or dad issues. <laughs> hey, sorry. There's also just in the last scene in this scene a, such a careful modulation of little bits of humor to also mm -hmm. let the emotions breathe. You know, Catherine's hacking up with a mental machete as we speak, which is something that could so easily feel written. Mm -hmm. um, and yet she owns it and is able to you know, make you believe she is the person who is that thoughtful, creative, articulate. And then of the tale of this scene. Yeah, I always thought we'd be just killed by the audience. I just always worried until we were actually making them and watching or whatever, that like, oh, is the audience going to feel like this is too, everything's mm -hmm. getting too wrapped up yep. in the section. Yeah. But they just yearn, I think people watching it just yearn for this, like, sense of, they've, they've watched Simon be so alone for the movie. Mm -hmm. it's You're so, ready for it, yeah. I know you didn't mean it, it doesn't matter. I shouldn't have missed it. And this scene I love, it's in, in sort of how inarticulate he is in a way he's he he's just nice grappling with it and trying to form a coherent thought and can't stop from crying but but it is also i think the way that isaac you and elizabeth wrote these scenes to kind of each each have a very different aspect is is key to what allowed them to all be here to kind of hearing a powerful message from mom to actually explaining a little more of what was going on with him mm -hmm. to leah and then to really letting dad explain that like this process is, you know, he had to, he had his thing issue to deal with as well, which was his own guilt, um, which isn't what necessarily Simon was, was understanding in the moment. Mom coming. Good, good, good. <laughs> and then we get back to the oh, slide to the joke. joke, which is yeah. perfect. <laughs> hey, I thought maybe we could sign up for Grinder together. <laughs> You don't know what Grinder is, do you? <laughs> it's Facebook. He's so happy. He thinks he knows what it is. Not what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Me. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I present. And we shot a lot of this footage. We actually opened. It was like uh, some of it was footage we were going to use at the top of the movie in the voiceover uh, section, and uh, we ended up just using it all here. And it really, we had cast all these separate people to play Simon at different ages. We had a a puppy Bieber, puppy um, so and just cute. this whole section here, obviously into the into the uh, Simon writing Simon writes his letter. You know, his his open letter to the. Which we, we we traveled for a long time with this movie without a title, yeah. Uh, uh, until until we finally realized that Love Simon was the one that worked best. Uh, but we tried out, I mean, thousands of titles. The studio had always made it clear that the uh, the title from the book, which they loved, uh, was just too much, too too many words, and yeah. um, wanted it to be more. Uh, and now I can't imagine any other title. But we yeah. retroactively put in Love Simon at the end, which it makes it. It yeah. should always have ended with Love, Simon, but you thought, yeah. you know, uh, because it's really his... For a long time, I was to be able to now, as an openly gay person, say, I love you to another man, uh, which is also what's obviously happening in the, in the last few minutes with the actual kiss yeah, itself. Um, First I thought it was just a also loving That's my husband, husband, Robbie Rogers, right there. <laughs> Thank you, Isaac, for trying to mention that as well. <laughs> I, I also love in this sequence, you know, something I mentioned before, but this this is kind of a moment where you start to realize how many people you fall in love with and how many people you're tracking. The number of people you care yeah, right? to see reacting to this. Yeah. Um, and everyone's <laughs> in their perfect location, too, which is, must have been a lot of work. I deserve a great love story. And this is the voices, you know, Rob's voice is kind of coming back in as Simon's soul. And feelings, kindly click over to the BuzzFeed quiz or resume the porn you paused for a moment. This guy that I love once wrote that he felt like he was stuck on a Ferris wheel. On top of the world one minute, at rock bottom the next. That's how I feel now. Liam, back to Simon. And again, we... we but it would all be so did shoot a tremendous amount of footage throughout all here just so we could, you know, uh, so blue. use these drone shots to sort of capture. Uh, um, there's these great drone shots in all the President's Men. Just, like, it's a weird thing to think about, but I've always felt like, I know, I know. <laughs> there's nothing in common and whatever other than that. I always felt like their use of the, they were, obviously, they didn't even have drones. So they were kind of creating these interesting kind of copter shots and things like that that really capture the sort of link loneliness of those two guys taking on this huge story and it just was evocative to me of of uh, and there's also a lot of typing in that which is which is the other you know so we did look at it for the typography and stuff there's little man again and um Simon featured moment for the Oreos Uh, again, high school production goes awry. You're gonna see Isaac Klausner here. He's coming up. <laughs> You're gonna see the Got full extent cameo. of my acting ability. <laughs> Enjoying a play. And Natasha was not in this movie as much as she is in this movie. And then she was so wonderful on set. Like moments like that of her backstage, we just started getting on the day because we. And there's, there's Isaac. Isaac right there. There we go. And then, oh, do you go? Do we cut back to you? I no, forget. I don't. I don't. But I, I did give you. I did give you a good reaction to that. You did, yes. I tried to give. I tried to give you options to play with. You gotta give choices. You did. Very important. There was another moment with Martin in here that we trimmed out um, because it saves him for the Ferris wheel moment, which was, I think, smart by everybody. We learned that in testing. I think, just like, 
you know, really cognizant through the end here of the number of endings that we felt like we needed, yeah. but also not wanting there to be too many and to each one to feel sort of special and different. Hey, and Simon. Hey. Yeah, that was another great moment, um, you know, him trying to apologize to Abby. Um, but it it wasn't, uh, yeah. while it worked yeah, on its own. Yeah. Necessary, yeah. No, I love their word, sort of wordless forgiving him. Uh, this is the, so we shot this toward the very end too. Uh, one of our last nights, that, over two nights, we shot, uh, we wanted to make sure we had enough time to get this whole sequence right. Uh, it's, being that it's so critical to the, to the film. Yeah, look, I couldn't believe how many rides you guys got. It really looked amazing. <laughs> I was expecting like a dinky Ferris wheel. There were people that actually like went on some of those rides repeatedly. Like uh, <laughs> the, the you know, extras there, just stuck on yeah, the, had to the tilt going on the rides. Yeah. I was like, okay, that is. That's a rough job. <laughs> this girl's great. You got this, buddy. Proud of you. And again, just setting up uh, and, and wanting to be cognizant in here. This is not a public moment in the book, and. Uh, Isaac and Elizabeth had always written it as uh, more public, but just like us making it, just make sure it's just public enough. You know, there's just enough people that it feels real. It doesn't feel like the whole town's there. Yeah. Um, but, and, and that it, it grows a little bit and then depreciates a little bit as people realize like, oh no, he's going to be left alone. You know, he's, he's not gonna, this isn't gonna work out. This is torturous. Um, and again, I think we also, you know, for a minute went back and forth on, should we do a Ferris wheel? It's been in other things. It's been you in Greg, Greg's uh, show. Everyone had a huge Ferris wheel moment. We had a Ferris wheel moment. And I was worried that he was going to put the kibosh on it. But <laughs> no, but he came around. <laughs> we realized, I think what we ultimately realized was, oh, no, we need to honor the conventions of this genre here and then change the gender. And so that it feels so that we're saying this is it's the same thing except for this. Right. Uh, and there's really and no other romantic ride. He couldn't be on that big spinny thing back there for four hours. <laughs> it's me. There are people who audibly gasp here in the wrong way. Yeah, which is great. And then great. they gasp in the right way coming up. Watching an audience watch this movie has been the most rewarding, I think, part of the film. It's just, it's the, how interactive people, how much they care about Simon. And, and. How much is it? This is perfect. Okay. There you go. Last one's on. And this guy just seems so annoyed to be a part of this. He doesn't understand what's happening. Last call for the Ferris wheel. And, uh. Oh, no, I can't watch. I can't Just watch this. The, the, no. the kiss coming up here, we really covered this kiss. I mean, we probably had them kiss 100 times, I would say, um, between front kisses and side kisses and back kisses. You know, it just was the kiss we all never got before. And so you did. I did feel a certain amount of pressure to make sure that if there was going to be a gay kiss in a teen movie like this, released by a studio wide for the first time, that it was as romantic and everything we ever wanted and was a punctuation mark on a, a lot of years where, where people wanted it and, and, and didn't get it. And I think that it's, it's hard as a, to not watch this as a gay person and to not have that be a part of, you know, uh, of everything. And I'm black too. There's also a section, this section through here was one of those sections where I, uh, we had just, because we finished it at the end, and then I took a little break and came back and watched part of the movie and, and watched the end subsequent to, um, and, and, uh, 
was very emotional to watch it and I thought okay gosh okay that, that if the ending and the beginning of this movie are working like emotionally right now then then we really just have to make sure the middle is sings mm -hmm. I love this question are you disappointed that it's me yeah it's oh, insecurity yeah. It's, so it's like two yeah. people isolated like alone you know like <laughs> yeah. you know sitting there and 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 you it's very daring for him to ask that because if anybody in the audience doesn't agrees that you know are you disappointed yeah. it's me yeah. and then that is just right here that moment the two of them their comfort together and actors through rehearsal and through getting to know each other and their connection you know i didn't tell them put your hand on him and whatever it just was that you know simon you have to own this kiss and they turned it into this moment it was just so real and then they and the did it all over again Do you have a huge crane for this? It must have been huge. We did. It was a massive crane. <laughs> hey. Have you seen Creek Secrets? There are six new confessions all signed. Listen to this. My parents didn't come and see me in Cabaret. They hate that I want to be an actor. I don't know if they'll ever be proud of me. Taylor Metternich. Wow. And, and everyone who watches the movie more than once always asks, what is this piece of paper? I know. This must have all the answers in the universe. What is that piece of paper? We're never going to tell you. I've been asked that so many times. We're not times. going to tell you what's on that piece of paper. <laughs> I thought it was so clearly his homework. Right? It's, it's homework. Like a paper. Yeah. That, was, that was as scripted. Yeah. I shot it as scripted. <laughs> you got to print out your homework, guys. <laughs> Me too. It's delicious. So you guys, what, and this this was the song that got Jack Antonoff to do the movie. We had used the Bleachers song in the film here, and it was always in it from the first cut that uh, Harry and uh, uh, Season put it in, the very first cut. And it it actually ended up being the thing that uh, you know triggered his involvement. Um, and a, a lot of conversation, uh, not a, a ton because I think we all. You could arguably end with the kiss, and maybe it's where other movies would end. But to to all of us that were involved in the movie, life goes on, and and Simon is. But now Simon gets to be a, a complete person as he experiences high school, and doesn't have to put some piece of himself away. Uh, it's just a, a felt like right. Yeah, when you and you and John Gulasarian created these these kind of great visual motifs of normal life, and so to get to kind of, you mentioned coffee, but also just the drive down his street to his yeah. uh, to Nick and Leah's place, and to kind of see a return to that in this new in this new stage of his life was really really satisfying. Where do you guys think they go? The beach. <laughs> when you go to a beach, right? Yeah, that's what you do on days off. You're near an ocean. How far do you have to go in Atlanta to get to the beach? I don't know. <laughs> like Savannah? Far, I think. <laughs> a few hours. <laughs> um, and then uh, this title sequence here, uh, you know, we always knew, again, the song was written originally for the, it was written now for the film. And, and just this ode to the website and just feels so, it just, I don't know, it just, this to me is more evocative probably than anything else of those 90s, of uh, the 90s teen comments yeah, that I didn't yeah. grow up with but were the ones that, uh, you know, had their own energy and bounce to them. Mm -hmm. And now people are making their own ones of these of the movie. It's cool. <laughs> and uh, so we're, we're about to wrap this up. Any questions? <laughs> 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 no. 
anyway, uh, you know, I just think, you know, when I first read this, this script, the, the fact that it was a comedy and a drama and then it blended tones, it's so rare that those kind of films get made. And then the fact that it also had a gay protagonist at the center of it, um, they were all so special to me. What I couldn't have known was that the individuals that I would make the movie with would become so special to me too. So I, I feel really blessed. I think a lot of the, the uh, heart and soul and love that you feel in the screen between all these characters really existed and will hopefully exist for a long time for all of us. Thank you for doing such a great job steering the oh, ship. Oh, please. Thank yeah. you all for watching and listening to us yammer on about this. <laughs> and and if this, again, is the first time watching the movie, please watch it without yeah, us. Yeah, this is not a good first experience. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry for ruining whatever, everything. And whatever possible, work with at least two Isaacs. <laughs> Surround yourself with Isaacs. That's the takeaway. Surround away. yourself That's with the Isaacs in the business. <laughs> all right, thank you Thanks, for watching. Guys. Thanks.